Okay, so today um, I introduced um, Shakespeare's Macbeth. And so we kind of went over, um, we started at the front of the book. So like open up your Macbeth book to page four. And so I'm just going to walk you through some of the things that I talked about in class today to make sure that you have it all underlined and ready to go. Okay, so um, on page four, it talks about strategies for understanding Shakespeare's language. And one of the things that I went over with them was number one, when it says, when reading verse, note the appropriate phrasing and intonation. I had them underline, do not pause at the end of a line unless there is a mark of punctuation. So that is really important. So when you come back and we are reading aloud, I want you to pay attention as you read that if there is no comma or period or some kind of punctuation at the end of the line, you keep reading. So I did the example that's on the page from Merchant of Venice. The quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath. So you could see I did not pause at heaven and I kept going until I got to the word beneath where there's punctuation. Okay, and that kind of goes along with number two. If you don't do that, so if, if you stop at the end of each line and you try to try to figure out what each line means, you are gonna struggle with finding meaning because you don't want to find meaning from lines, you're going to go through the whole idea. So it means capital letter to punctuation mark. Otherwise, it's going to be too confusing. Okay. Um, then we skipped over to page six. And at the very bottom, it talks about illusions. So we're definitely going to be talking about the illusions that are also um, in Macbeth. Then we went over to... Um, page eight, and we talked about stage directions. So we talked about how like in our, in our mirror, mirror um, scripts, we have the words that are in parentheses and italicized, and we don't read those out loud. So the same is going to happen with Macbeth. When you, if you are reading aloud Macbeth, you are not going to read aloud the stage directions, which are anything in parentheses and italicized. Okay. Um, then we went over to reading pointers for sharper insights. And I talked about the fact that um, we are going to be talking about all these four things. We're going to be talking about fate and free will. Um, I went a little bit more into in depth about the various types of rulers, mostly because tonight's reading of Common Lit. So tonight you're reading um, Common Lit, The Prince. I really want you, when you're reading The Prince, to really focus on what does Machiavelli, who's the author, say about leadership and the qualities of a leader. Um, because we are going to talk about that. Our final essay of the unit is who is the best leader in Macbeth. So you need to be able, you're going to be using um, quotes out of the prince and out of Macbeth. So the various types of rulers, and I actually, you know, went over it. So characters in positions of influence and responsibility demonstrate several styles of leadership throughout the play, which we also saw in, in Lord of the Flies. Try to determine what type of authority Duncan, Macbeth, and Lady Macbeth, and Malcolm represent. So here are some of the different types of rulers. You have a tyrannical one, which is a tyrant. We have a regal one, generous, democratic, etc. And so then we'll probably go into the idea, does Macbeth fit that definition of a tragic hero? We're going to talk about ambition as evil, which we kind of did when it came to Lord of the Flies, because the more power Jack got, the more evil he became. And then we're really going to be talking about guilt and fear and how people deal with both of those. Um, then on the next page, so page 10, we looked at the symbols. Um, we are going to track motifs in Macbeth. So some of the ones that um, we're going to really be paying attention to is blood, 
okay, and how how Shakespeare uses blood. We're going to be looking at sleep. We're going to be looking at birds, which cover owls, martens, and birds of prey. We don't go really into depth with the animals, so we don't really do those or the snakes, okay? But we will definitely go into night, but I look at it as darkness instead of just night, and then weather. The next thing I did was I went over page 11, at least some of it, just so that you understand the characters. So we start off with Duncan, who is the King of Scotland. So I want you to understand that this play takes place in Scotland and Duncan is the king and he's got two children. He's got Malcolm, who's his eldest son, which makes him the heir to the throne, okay? And then Donald Bain, which is the younger son. Then we have Macbeth, who's, a, who's the Thane of Glamps. Now I'm really picky about this because it really irritates me. Thane of Glamps. So if you look at the spelling of Glamps and you see how I'm saying it, they don't match. I want it pronounced Glamps because that's correct. So make sure you do that. So he's the Thane of Glamps when we start. A Thane is like a mayor. So they're, like, they're in control. They, they, they not rule over, but it's like their territory that if there's a problem, people are supposed to go to their Thanes before going above their heads. Okay. We will meet the Thane of Cawdor and Macbeth becomes the Thane of Cawdor, but we'll figure that all out. And he's also the general in the king's army and he has a wife named Lady Macbeth. Then we have some, then we have Banquo who's also a thane, and he's also a general in the king's army, and he's got one son, Fleance. Then we have Macduff, who's also a thane, and he's got a wife, Lady Macduff. He's also got a son, which is lower. Okay, so those are our main, 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 main characters. Okay, and then we have a bunch of noblemen, Lennox, Ross, Menteith, Angus, and Caithness. And then we have a long list of, like, really minor characters for the most part, um, except for the other major characters in here is towards the bottom where we have the three witches or weird sisters. Okay, so those are a big one. So just kind of going over the relationships and how they all play together. Okay, so then we went over act one, scene one. Okay, so it's in a deserted place. We have thunder and lightning in the background and then three witches come in. Okay, so I'm gonna read it. I'm not gonna say first witch, second witch. So you just gotta follow along with me, okay? When shall we three meet again? In thunder, lightning, or in rain? When the hurly burly's done, when the battle's lost and won, that will be ere the set of sun. Where is the place? Upon the heath, there to meet with Macbeth. I come, Grey Malkin. Paddock calls anon. Fair is foul and foul is fair. Hover through the fog and filthy air. Okay, so I actually made them work through this on their own. So I made them work in small groups and I wanted to know a couple of things and you need to know these things also. I wanna know what's happening in this scene. I want to know when it's happening, where, and with who, okay? So if we look at it, you should be able to tell that this scene is all about the witches planning, planning to meet with Macbeth. So you can see that from the very first line, when shall we three meet again? So we know that they're planning to meet again. So like if I were you, and I kind of showed it off in the classroom, so you don't have the visual, um, I underlined three meet again, and then off to the side, I wrote planning to meet with Macbeth, okay? And then I wanna know when do they plan to meet with Macbeth? So you should be able to go down to line four and see that when the battle's lost and won. So there's obviously a war going on. So they're basically saying they're gonna meet with Mac they're gonna meet again after the battle's over, okay? And then I wanna know where. So on line seven, it says upon the heath. So that is where they are meeting. And if you don't know what a heath means, you see that little number three there? Off to the side, 
it tells you what that is. Now, if you don't know what a tract of open land with sparse vegetation is, then go ahead and look up a tract of open land with sparse vegetation. Basically, it's just a, it's like a clearing with not a lot of things growing around it. Okay, then I want to know who, and that is Macbeth. And you can see that on line, five, six, seven, line eight, where it says there to meet with Macbeth. So if I were you, I'd underline those parts and then put like the who, when, where, whatever that answered. Okay. The last thing we did was we looked at the last two lines, fair is foul and foul is fair, hover through the fog and filthy air. And then we went into our workbooks to page, I think it was 17 and 18. And I told them that um, those were those literary terms you guys did in stations. And I told them to look at just page 17. And I want to know which two literary terms are used in these two lines. Okay. So for the most part, everybody found that antithesis is used with fair is foul. So I would underline fair is foul and then label it antithesis. Then they found out that the other one is chiasmus, which is right below antithesis in on page 17. And the example of chiasmus is fair is foul and foul is fair. Okay, so antithesis, just to remind you, remind you, is putting two opposites next to each other. So that's what antithesis is. So fair is foul, fair and foul are opposites, and they're going right next to each other. Chiasmus is saying the same thing, but in reverse order. So fair is foul and foul is fair. There is another place antithesis is used in this scene. And that's up in line four, where it says when the battle's lost in one, lost in one are opposites. So that's another example of antithesis. So here's the deal. Hopefully you'll take all of those notes, okay? The next, the next step is I will be sending you a quiz tomorrow. I'll, I'll type it into um, Google Forms tomorrow on my prep. So which I don't even know when that is. It'll be right, it'll be um, before you get on at 9.41. So make sure you get onto that 8.1 Google Meet at 9.41 um, for, the, for the seminar, okay? Um, when I send it, when I send you out your Google form with the quiz, you may use your book, just the book, not your workbook, not your IM, not your um, ISN, not any extra pieces of paper, just your book. But all I'm testing is if you took the notes that I told you to take. Did you underline what I asked you to? Did you label them the correct things? Can, can you do that? So that's what I'm kind of checking on, okay? Um, if you have any questions, go ahead and give me just write me an email and I'll get back to you. Thanks.